0: Our scripture reading this morning is the first 17 verses of Genesis 9. Now, the uh, the account of Noah is in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and chapter 9. Uh, what happens in 6 through 8 was summarized in uh, the, the Bible story with the children. And where we pick it up in chapter 9 is at the end of of the, the flood being over, the animals, Noah and his family are out of the ark, that's where we're picking it up in Genesis 9, verse 1. Genesis 9, verse 1, this is God's holy and infallible word. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth. And all the birds of the air upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you. The birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. That's God's word for us this morning. So we read here of God making a covenant. With Noah, And we come across that word covenant for the very first time here in Scripture. That language of covenant is also used with Abraham, with the nation of Israel, with King David. And Jesus himself at the Last Supper talks about the new covenant in his blood. God from the very beginning chose to relate to his people with covenants. And so when we're talking about covenant... Not a word we use every day, but it's in the Bible. When we're talking about covenant, we're talking about nothing less, brothers and sisters, than our relationship with the Lord. So this is important stuff. The usual way we relate to people and make agreements with them in life is with contracts. A contract. I saw a contract lying around the house just a couple months ago. One of my daughters had written up a contract. It was an agreement of an older sibling with a younger. It may have been Hannah and Sophia, but I'm not saying. The older sister asked certain things of the younger, and they were spelled out. A back massage, clean her sister's room, another back massage and then make her sister's bed. In return, the younger sister would receive $5. After some babysitting gigs, there was money to be spent, apparently. Names were signed. If the younger sister didn't do every one of those things that she agreed to, she would not get her $5. And if she didn't get her $5 on end, you could bet that she, if she wanted to, could go back and unmake her sister's bed and mess up her room again. And the reality is any contract is null and void if any of the two parties breaks the agreement. But with us and God, the Bible says there's covenant. We talk about the marriage covenant. And we know from that that it's more, that's more of a bond than a contract. And God deals with us in covenant bonds. It's a bond that he initiates and he keeps strong no matter what. The sign of the Noah covenant is a rainbow. Rainbows can be seen whenever there are water drops in the air and sunlight is shining behind them at just the right angle. I believe it's a lower lower angle. I just saw one uh, yesterday at the end of the rain at the Faith Church golf outing. It was pretty cool. The most common rainbow is a single bow with seven colors that, that cover the full spectrum of colors the human eye can see. Did you know that? It's a set seven colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's the full spectrum of the colors the human eye can see. As there's a comprehensiveness to the colors of every rainbow, there's a comprehensiveness here to God's covenant with Noah that we're going to see. Even though it was made so far back in human history, we can see in there that you might say it includes the full range of things that that there is to know about God and his special, special bond with his people. What are the colors of the covenant in the story of Noah? What does it look like when God initiates a relationship with people? What does his relationship with you mean for your life? We're going we're to take a look at, because the beauty of God's covenant with us, his people, boy, it's a beauty that surpasses even the amazing beauty of the rainbow. Last week we saw that people began to call on the name of the Lord. And we talked about that personal heart response to God's grace that each one of us is invited to make. Now, first of all, this week, we see that God's covenant is also about the family. Very early on in the history of redemption, We find that God deals with families in his covenant relations, not only individuals by themselves. When God comes to Noah, he says in chapter 6, verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. It's it's very interesting in all these chapters only Noah is ever described as righteous in his walk with the Lord but the benefits of him being in a relationship with God spill over to the whole family and they're all saved from the flood waters the righteousness of the head of the family has an impact on the rest of the family. And this is going to continue as salvation history goes on. We're going to hear of Abraham next week. And from Abraham forward, God wants his people to be very clear that their children are in the covenant. And so he commands that they receive the covenant sign of circumcision. The children of believers in the Old Testament were to be set apart in this way. And in the New Testament, the sign of the covenant became Baptism. And so on that basis, the Philippian jailer being saved in Acts 16, his whole household was baptized. And just last week, of course, here at Faith, two little ones born in the home of believers received the sign of the covenant. This means that people of faith, believers, raise their children, not as little pagans, but we raise them as children of the covenant. Paul says children of believers are holy. We raise them in the environment of faith. We tell them the story of God's salvation. We pray for their response of faith. And we do this as families. When you look at how it goes in the Bible, there's there's quite a bit of responsibility laid upon the head of our homes, our husbands and our dads in this Wives and mothers are leaders in the home, partners with their husbands, certainly. But the Bible talks about the man being the head of the home. Where the dad leads, the family follows, spiritually speaking. If a father leads his family in regular church attendance and a life of faith, they tend to follow. If a father gives attention to his relationship with the Lord, that's going to have an impact on his household. The opposite of those things... Are also going to impact a family. That's a lot of pressure for dads. And I say that speaking as a dad. And we can often feel a lot of pressure otherwise in life, and this is kind of additional pressure. And so, as we do Scripture's calling, we're relying on the Lord. We don't rely on our own strength. God will give the grace, God will give the help. And dads and families, what a blessing to have a church family so that we can support one another. We absolutely can't do it alone. And, and the church is here for households who don't have a dad or husband present too. And in those situations, God will certainly provide an extra measure of his grace. However many parents are present, whether you today have children or not, whether you're single or married, older or younger, we all come together as a church family in countless ways so that our children are raised in the covenant environment of God's grace, just as we promised together at every baptism. Because God relates to his covenant people in terms of family, we care about the family. As a church together, Elder Ken Folkerts uh, and I were at classes meetings on Wednesday. Classes is our regional group of Christian Reformed churches. Um, a speaker was there by the name of, of Dr. Chap Clark. He's from Fuller Seminary, and his expertise is in the spiritual development of children and youth, adolescents, young adults, and and he really emphasized the importance of spiritually nurturing our children and youth. He spoke of, in the church, not treating them as second-class citizens, but for the importance of adults in the church reaching out to that younger generation, being interested in them, treating them not as little kids, they are little kids developmentally speaking, but treat Everybody, even little children, as fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, which they are. I hope the children and young people of this church sense that. I hope. And and, and if we can do better, we've got to. God included children in the covenant. We include them in the covenant community today, too. And we do it right here at Faith. Secondly, we see here that God's covenant is about worldview. God made mankind from the very beginning with a very wide calling. And we talk about that as the cultural mandate where God says be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule over the animals, and then sin happens. God stepped in right away and he gave us that promise. We looked at last week, Genesis 3.15, that Satan's head would be crushed, he'd be defeated. Those like Abel and Seth and his line would be saved from sin and death because of God's promise, which would eventually be completely fulfilled through that great seed of the woman, Jesus himself. Now, with Noah, we see that after the fall, God's plan of salvation involves saving people, but also we have a renewal of the cultural mandate. In addition to our individual salvation and our own hearts belonging to the Lord, our faith has implications for the family, yes, but also for all the world and life. There's all this nature stuff going on here. The beautiful rainbow, a male and female pair of all the animals went in the ark. How God worked that all out, I don't know. But I'm convinced that he did, as the Bible says. The earth was wiped out, including all the animals. But as God saved some people, he saved some animals as well to repopulate the earth after the flood. Creation was negatively impacted by the fall. Romans 8 says creation groans somehow. All of creation groans under the weight of sin. But God redeems and restores creation too somehow, not just men and women. Hosea 2.18 agrees with Genesis 9 and goes so far as to say that God makes a covenant not only with Noah and with people, but with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. Isn't that interesting? Noah and his descendants down to us who call on God's name today we're called to live out our life of faith. The life of faith has implications for in the world. If God says he's making a covenant, with every living creature and that the rainbow is a reminder of that promise to all creatures, well, that tells us something about how people of faith are to interact with and treat nature and animals. God promises to preserve creation. Certainly, His managers are called to do the same thing. God gives us creation to rule over Yes, that's very clear. Well, it goes without saying that the rule must be a righteous rule and a just rule. Our faith carries over to our dealings with fellow men and women who from the time of Noah started filling the earth too. Did you catch it in our text? God tells us to respect life by telling mankind that there must be an accounting if someone murders someone else, that's in verse 6. Because man is made in God's image, murder cannot be tolerated. And so, in the renewal of the creation mandate with Noah, we see far reaching implications of God's salvation. And as human civilization has advanced from Noah's time, it means our faith has implications. For every part of our life, from technology to biology to politics to watching sports, God's people want God's reign over it all. And that full world and life perspective, how we're to live and interact with people and the world, that gets spelled out in more and more detail as the Bible goes on. Finally, in Noah's covenant, we can see that God's covenant is about the Great Commission. The Great Commission, of course, is from Matthew 28, where Jesus gives the mission of the church to the disciples to go out to make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything Jesus taught. And at least in in seed form... We see the proclamation of the good news to the whole world here, and we see that in this sign of the covenant, the rainbow. God used the rainbow to say to people that he would never again destroy the world like that. God will preserve the world until Jesus returns. And at that time, Scripture says elsewhere, total destruction like the flood will happen to those who don't belong to the Lord. This is talking about the end of time. But those who belong to the Lord when Jesus returns, they're going to be kept safe like Noah's family on the ark, and they will live eternally in the new heavens and the new earth after it's been totally once for all cleansed of of sin and evil by the end time judgment. But we're not there yet. God is delaying that final and time judgment. He's preserving the world. Well, why? Well, it's because all of his people haven't been gathered in yet. The delay, the preservation, is for us to get the message out of God's grace as Jesus commands his New Testament church. And at its heart, that message... Our message is always and it's always a message of grace. We got to keep that central, friends. Sometimes it is now, it always has been. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, say, in Old Testament times, people were saved by the law or they were saved by works or something else. But you know what? Noah was saved by grace through faith, just like us. Faith in the promised one who would come. We see Jesus come. You know, soon after the flood, we didn't read it because it's such a sorry scene and we didn't have time for it, but this righteous man became so drunk after the fall that he was found by his son Ham lying naked in his tent. That's, that's drunk. Noah was not saved for his perfection. It's not like he just got evil after the flood. He never was perfect. He was not saved for his perfection. He was saved by God's grace alone, like all those who belong to the Lord. And this is a wonderful, encouraging thought for all of us, isn't it? That this great hero, it wasn't good that he acted like that, but it's encouraging to me that this great hero of the faith, Noah, could act like that because we mess up too. And that's why we need God's grace. And that's why we rely 100% on that and on him. The rainbow is a sign of God's grace when people deserve judgment. Have you ever thought about why God chose to use the rainbow that way? It's very pretty, yeah, it comes after a storm or rain, and there were big storms, of course, for all that rain to fall at the time, but, but there's more to it. Why is it called a bow? It doesn't look like a hair bow. I've seen a few hair bows lying around the house. It's not doesn't look like a hair bow to me. It doesn't like a bow look like a bow that you put on a present. And I don't think any of those things were quite around in that way in Noah's day in the ancient Near East. But you know what was around in the ancient Near East? Battle bows, like a bow and arrow, right? A rainbow looks like a battle bow on its side. A bow and arrow is pointed to you as a threat. But this bow isn't pointed at us, is it? Until Jesus returns, judgment is delayed. This is a time of sharing God's grace to the world and the fact that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved by God's grace. If the rainbow is a picture of a battle bow and it's not pointing at us, where is it pointing? Well, it's pointing to the heavens because... Instead of punishing mankind for the sin that we deserve, what does the Bible say? The Lord God took on Himself our sin. The Bible says Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, took on the sins of the world. He was punished on the cross so we would not receive the judgment we deserve. Though we have broken Our relationship with God in sin. God keeps us in relationship with Him through the precious blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross. So no matter how much you've messed up, whether you've never ever yet to this day called on the name of the Lord, or you're a person of faith who lets down his or her guard sometimes like Noah after the flood, God won't let you go in any of those situations. You just need to turn to him and call on him in faith. Call on his name. And so, I believe that beautiful rainbow points us to some stunning truths for our lives today. As the rainbow gives us that full spectrum of color the eye can see, The covenant with Noah displays the full spectrum and beauty of God's covenant with us. His covenant is about family. It has implications for all of our life in this world. And it propels us on our mission in this world, which is especially to proclaim the message of Jesus. The one who took on our punishment so we'd have everlasting life. This is a message of grace that the world needs It's a message of grace that every one of us needs every day. It's a message that we want to be all about as a church today, the grace of our God in Jesus.